Well, good morning, Parkway. How are you this morning? My name is Pastor Cody Earl Incognito, and I pastor a church somewhere in Texas. I want to welcome you all today. Wait, wait, wait just a minute. I'm sort of getting this weird vibe. I mean, what, what is it? I'm getting this weird vibe. Is something wrong? Did you all recognize me? Oh, man, you recognize me. I'm sure that many of you have seen a television show called Undercover Boss. And the idea of that show is that the top CEO or top management person in the organization will disguise themselves, and they will actually go into the company as a laborer and they will look at the inner workings of that business and they will disguise themselves in order to do that. And they'll work alongside their employees and in doing so they uncover employee needs or they uncover processes or practices that need improvement. Now every now and then, just as you did, an employee will recognize their boss. And when their stint is done, what happens is that in that television show, the CEO will remove the disguise, they'll call the employees in who made an impact on them, and they'll reward them for the job that they've done. And at times, they'll even chastise them for the job that they've not done. And you see, the boss is invisible to the employees and the actions or inactions of those employees reveal something about their very own character and who they really are. And we continue this series of Summer Soul Care, and I wanted to preach to you a message this morning that really puts in perspective this idea of seeing the ultimate undercover boss with a message entitled, Seeing the Invisible God, Seeing the Invisible God. And there are times that we all face trials and we te test in our life, and a lot of those tests seems to be those unwritten ones that sort of just sneak up on us. David actually talked about this. In Psalm 17.3, here's what David said. He says, Thou hast proved mine heart. Thou hast visited me in the night. Thou hast tried me and shalt find nothing. So we understand truly that there is a nighttime that occurs in our life, and it goes just beyond that physical darkness. It's a, it was a night season in David's life, and it was a time when he was tried in, frankly, very disparaging circumstances. It was a weary time in his life. And it's in those secret times that God is at work in us, and we don't completely know it. God's working by His Spirit to determine our spiritual makeup and our character. And it's during those secret, dark times when God can use those circumstances to check your value system, to see what you're truly made of. And on September the 8th of last year, you may recall that we were in a series called Grit. And it just so happened that I was preaching that Sunday I preached a message entitled, Grit, What Are You Made Of? Grit, What Are You Made Of? And the, so the point of the, my message was that God is the God of the product. He's the God of the miracle, right? But he's also God 
of the process. He, will, he is the God that will show up when you need to take him through uh, that journey in your life. So in other words, instead of giving you something instantly, the product or the miracle, he will take you through a process and he will develop something in you. And when I was preaching during that second service, I think back on it now, and I distinctly remember the Spirit of God nudge me and say, you are about to walk through a process, but I will be with you. And if it's okay, I'm going to be very transparent with you this morning and share what that journey actually was. And frankly, it continues to be. You see, just three days later, on September the 11th, that journey would begin. I received the results of a test, and due to those tests being abnormal, my doctor gave me a choice. And he said, you know what, we can just wait and continue to monitor this, or you can choose to have a biopsy. <clears throat> and even he said, you know, I, I don't suspect anything, um, but I chose to proceed just out of the abundance of caution. So I decided to have that biopsy. In fact, as I was being wheeled into the operating room, he said, don't worry about this. 90% of these biopsies, they come back benign. There's no problem. So I had the biopsy. And a day later, I was sitting at my desk working, and I received a call from my doctor personally to tell me what those results were. And what I heard were words that I thought that I would never hear. And what those words were is that you have prostate cancer. So let me take a quick pause. It's now my mission in life to recommend to all men that you get a screening. It's my mission to do that for you guys because I love you. So on the screen now, here's the American Cancer Society recommendations. This is not the spiritual part of my message. But if you start at the, the bottom, at age 50, men who are at average risk of prostate cancer, you're expected to live at least 10 more years, they encourage you to get a PSA test. If you are age 45 and you're a little bit higher risk, so for African-American men and for those men who have a first-degree relative, either a father or a brother who have been diagnosed at an early age below 65, you need to have a test. Age 40, if both father and brother have had prostate cancer, then you need to have a screening. And obviously, when I heard the word cancer, I was shocked. But I remembered back, just three days later, those words that I heard from the Lord. And he said, you're about to walk through a process, but I will be with you. You see, God had given me counsel in the night season, about what I was soon to experience. David said it this way in Psalm 16, 7 through 9, I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. The last part of, part of that scripture says, therefore my heart, my body, 
and my soul are filled with joy. When you go through a test, God will sit you down in the night. He will, in your very darkest hour, he will take the time to counsel you. Was I shocked? Yes, obviously. Was I fearful? No, not at that moment. God had given me a peace. Do I understand why I was going through that dark season? No, I didn't understand it. But at that moment, friends, what I purpose to do in my heart, and I told the Lord, if I'm going, Lord, to walk through this process, when it is over, I need to have learned what you purposed to teach me. Lord, I need to have learned this lesson. I don't want to just walk through this place, this dark time in my life, and God not have learned anything. I never questioned, why me, Lord? I do not feel that cancer is something that God places on you, but I do believe that he can use your circumstances to teach you what you need to learn. So my biggest question was, Lord, what do you want me to learn in this process? I soon began the consults with the surgeon and radiology oncologist at MD Anderson to determine the extent which happened to be moderately aggressive. Somewhere in the middle, we would meet to develop a treatment plan. But just prior to treatment, Pastor Nathan sent me a scripture, scripture which ended up being the basis of what God was going to teach you. Now, how many are thankful for your pastor this morning? Amen? How many of you know that sometimes, even though you don't want to hear what your pastor is saying, you need to hear those words because it's going to sustain you during a dark season in your life? I'm going to place a picture on the screen now, and this picture it's, it was, I taped it to the dashboard of my car, and this picture was taken as I left out of my driveway on the first day as I headed to Indy Anderson for treatment, which ended up being six weeks of daily radiation therapy. It's a portion of Hebrews eleven twenty seven, and then a declaration that I would repeat every single day of the process. Let me read you first Hebrews eleven twenty seven 27 from the NIV. It says, By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Speaking of Moses, the Living Bible says, And it was because he trusted God that he left the land of Egypt and was not afraid of the king's anger. Moses kept right on going. It seemed as though... He could see God right there with him. And then the declaration was, every single day, by faith, I walk out of this hospital today not fearing the cancer's anger. I persevere because I see him who is invisible. Amen? So what happened... What happened is I began to see this invisible God in the middle of perhaps one of the darkest trials of my life. It was an invisible God who I know beyond a shadow of a doubt who would walk with me every step of the way. It sounds strange. 
How was I to see this God whom I've served all of my life? God, how am I going to see you any more clearly? God, how am I going to see, see you? Brother Sean, any in ways that I've never seen you before, how is that going to work? And over those next few days and weeks, this invisible God that we serve became very visible to me. Research by the 3M Corporation, it tells us that each and every one of us are 90% visual beings. We're 90% visual. We process images 60,000 times faster than text. Images are the most easily things to remember by our brains and are essential for our learning. Because of human nature, what we see what we see with our eyes has a deep effect in what we do, what we feel, and what we are. Now, if you don't believe images have an impact on us, listen to these stats. There are approximately 1.3 billion, with a B, images that are uploaded on Instagram every single day. 1.3 billion. There are 2.1 billion photos uploaded to Facebook every single day. And I tell you about a, a thousand of those are my uh, bird videos that I personally <laughs> love. <laughs> 3.8 billion images with a B on Snapchat every single day. We are image-driven people. Images play a significant role in the human psyche. When we see an images, it will elicit a response. And if you don't believe me, I'm going to show you a few images on the screen right now. And we're, let's take a look at this first one, all right? Here we go. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm afraid of heights. And right now, if you're afraid of heights, you are not moving. You're sitting there in your seat. You're saying to your neighbor, if you breathe on me, I'm going to slap you. Don't breathe on me. If I sneeze, I'm going to fall right out of my chair. Right now, I'm going to fall right out of my chair. Just get that off the screen as quickly as you can. Get it off. Okay, so I am scared of heights. So this is what I would look like on the side of a cliff. Go to that next one. That would be me. That would be me. <laughs> so, let me show you a couple more. Now, we're going to throw this next one on the screen very quickly. All right, see, I heard some of you. How many of you just lifted your feet up off the ground? Did you hear your response when you saw that image? It, it elicited a response from you. You went, <gasps> Now, before I put this next one up, let me just apologize to you because it, it is a little cruel. It is a little cruel. So still love me after we show you this image. There we go. Yeah, that's, that's a snake right under your pillow that you're going to sleep on tonight. So I know that every single one of you are going to be lifting your pillow up at night to see what's under it. All right? So my point is, by showing you those images, it elicited some type of response. Now, how many of you, um, how many of you, just say, do, does, do those images actually elicit a physical response from you? And I would say yes. Moreover, if you saw that snake under your pillow, 
in reality, I'm guarantee you it's going to elicit a response from you, right? They play a significant role on how we respond. So how was it that Moses, in a place of potential trial, was able to not fear, but persevere? And the answer to that was he saw this, this image of an invisible God, which required a response. And his response, the scripture tells us, was faith. It was faith in knowing that God was right there with him. I want to set the stage for you in the scripture. There are two different times that Moses left Egypt. He left one when he was 40 years old after <clears throat> slaying the Egyptian um, slave. He fleed to Midian. That was one time. There was another time that he fleed literally left and took the, the children of Israel with him at age 80 years old. Scholars differ on which one of those accounts Hebrews 11.27 is referring to. But what we can agree on is that Moses did not fear, in both of those situations, did not fear the king's anger because his response was one of faith. On the day of my very first radiation treatment, I was a little apprehensive. And guys, let me just say right up, this is not a message about me and my cancer. I don't want it to come across that way. But what I do want it to come across is what I learned during this process. So first day of radiation, I was a little apprehensive, not knowing what to expect. I arrived at the Mays Clinic there in Houston, pulled over <clears throat> under the pavilion, First day was it going to park valet just to make it a little bit easier. <clears throat> and when I pulled in, I saw this woman there. <clears throat> and she was actually directing traffic. She was working there. When I got out of the car, <clears throat> there was something in me that just saw her in a way that I had never seen people before. She was just radiating light. It still chokes me up to talk about it. There was something different about her. I believe it was the Christ who was residing in her. And immediately, I want to tell you, it was immediate that I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and tell me, to tell her that you are a light in a dark world. Now, I don't know how many of you lately have gone up to a complete stranger and told them, you're a light in a dark world. I had no clue how she was going to respond. But out of obedience to the master, I walked up to her and looked at her. <laughs> and I said, you are a light in a dark world. And she looked at me and immediately started weeping. I'm not just talking about a little tear here and there. She was weeping. Complete stranger threw her arms around me and said, thank you. I needed to hear that today. And I thought... Why, Lord, when I have so many other things going on in my mind, 
would that be my first experience of the day? But what came next is me realizing that God had just given me my first lesson. He showed me that this woman was a reflection of who he is. See, on the first hour, the first day, I saw this image of this invisible God. And because I could see this image of this invisible God in the woman, I knew the same invisible God dwelled in me and my soul would persevere through that cancer journey. Amen? I had no reason to fear then. I had no reason to dread because I could see an invisible God. The Bible says, if you're wondering who this invisible God is, Colossians 1.15 says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Amen? So my lesson day was, was Jesus was going to show himself to me in other people and also in me. And let me explain it. Over the next few months, I began to see people in a whole new light. And as a result, it began to calm my soul in a way unlike I had never felt before. Now, I will tell you, I'm not one to judge people. I'm just not. I was raised that way. I have sat down in prisons with people who have done some very, very serious things, and I've left there not feeling judgmental or any differently than I did when I went in. However, this God that I have served, this God that I knew wanted to take me to a so much deeper level of how I saw and how I reacted to people. It is human nature, I think we have this on the screen, we respond to others on how they respond to us. We respond to other people based on how they respond to us. So let me show you. If I were to see you and I said hello, what would you say back? Was that a Dale? <laughs> hello. <laughs> If I were to say, how are you, what do we generally say? Fine, how are you? Man, y'all are playing along and we didn't even practice this. So, could it be, that is why we read in Matthew 5, 4 through 48, you have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. We've heard that, right? Pastor Alec, we've heard, you know, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, this is the word of the Lord, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be the children of your father which is in heaven. Why? Because if I'm loving my enemy... Humans generally respond in like kind, and at some point, it could be that your enemy is going to start loving you back. 
Amen? Have you ever thought of it that way? I'm going to ask Pastor Alec to come up, and I want to give you an example of this. And before I give you this example, I want you to understand and really truly get this, because this is a key scripture of this message. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created mankind in his own image. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So the word here says that God created mankind. Mankind means all men, women, boys, and girls. It does not say that God created Christians in the image because I know sometimes we think that, oh, that, that's just the very image of Jesus. That's the Christian right there, Christian. <laughs> but the word says that he created mankind in the image of God. Every one of your enemies were created in the image of God. Every one of those whom you disagree with that has lied on you is jealous of you, has stabbed you in the back, was created in the image of God. So, Pastor Alec, come over here to me, and let's just say that Pastor Alec, he's going to confront me, okay? And so, Pastor Alec, why don't you confront me? I hate you. I cannot stand you. You make me sick. You see, when I heard that from Pastor Alec, I have a choice to make at this point. And my choice is to see Alec and the hatred, the envy, the jealousy. If I literally look at him... We can all call that sin. I can see the image of Alec. He's got sin tattooed on his forehead, right? So I can see that sin. I can see that image. And it's the human response for me at that point when I see that. It's my human instinct to respond in like kind. And I can respond by Pastor Alec seeing my response based on sin from me. Okay? But here is the result of that. I can respond, Pastor Alec, I hate you. I can't stand you. I can do the same thing. The consequence of that, however, is that there is no hope for him ever-changing as a result of my actions. But what is even perhaps more destructive to me personally is that my soul, based on my response at that point, it steps into what I call this boat of imbalance. Because with every controversy, every disruption in my life, every disagreement in my life, my response is going to be based on 
what was dished out to me, I will dish out again. And the consequence of that, friends, is that our soul remains in a place of unrest. My other choice, my other option is to respond by, okay, we're going to have to use our imagination on this one. All right, give it to me again one more time. Pastor Cody, I hate you. I cannot stand you. You make me sick. Okay, my response then could be, use your imagination. To see the image of this invisible God, the image that Pastor Alec was created in. Because when I do that, my response is going to be based on the image that I saw in Pastor Alec. And it will reflect to him. It will reflect grace back to Pastor Alec. And that is the only hope of him seeing grace in my response for him to ever change his actions. Here's what it will also do. Because of my response, I didn't get upset. I didn't get angry back at him. Pastor Alec, I, I love you. I extended grace. It has the potential of changing him at some point, And most importantly, my soul never stepped into that boat of imbalance. But I kept on the shore, and my soul remained at rest. Amen? You see, I chose to see the invisible God in people. The skin that I have in the game, stay with me just a minute, the skin that I have in the game is that my soul finds rest. We're talking about soul care this morning. My soul has found rest. At Parkway Life, one of the concepts that you will hear, the phrases that you will hear at Parkway Life is grace and truth, right? I have the t-shirt, grace and truth, I have the t-shirt, right? So, the church is one, this church is one that seeks and presents truth. So don't get me wrong, we present truth, right? We stand for truth, the Bible is truth. However, what I begin to, what I begin to see in this journey is that there are those people who hold to their own truth. And in the example that was Alex's truth, that was Alex's truth based on his understanding. But that doesn't line up with the word of God. They contradict one another. You may be thinking, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my point. I'm just going to stand right here and make my point. How's that been working out for you? <laughs> Now let me just say very quickly that I have been one in my past to quickly say 
no, what you believe is not true. I've been leaning and very heavy on truth. So I see Alec, I see this truth, remember it will elicit a response from me, and I often said, no, that is not true. That's not true. Instead, what if I saw Alec, again, that invisible God in him, it's the only way that Alec's going to see grace, and he will be more open to, to truth. Thank you, Pastor Alec, for that. Here's the point I want to make. Remember the woman taken into adultery? The Pharisees were there to stone her. They were there to say, truth, 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 truth. But what did Jesus do? He extended grace, and he said, you know, go and sin no more. He led by grace, grace and truth, and truth followed grace. Now, when you see the invisible God in others, it will help you to eliminate your own frustration and be more apt to extend grace. Look at the screen. Leading with grace results in a rest in your soul. It's soul care. Many times we need to allow grace to lead because truth at that point will then follow. You see, what we see today in our world is a major controversy. Everything from sexuality to various rights. And in no way, hear me, am I downplaying what the truth is. But what would it look like if the Big C Church, not just Parkway, but the Big C Church, chose to see the invisible God in those who sin differently than we do? Ouch! <laughs> Could the grace that we extend open the door to a truth that this world so desperately needs to hear in this hour? Remember that when we see an image, it elicits a response. So not only did I begin to see the invisible God in others, I begin to see him in myself. I begin to look at my diagnosis differently. Lord, if I can see the invisible God in my situation, I know that I'm created in the very image of God. I know that you hold all things in me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It changed my perspective, even of my body. Number 6, 25, 26, I begin to see the Lord makes his face shine on me. I see, Lord, that you're being gracious unto me. The Lord is lifting up my countenance to me, and he is giving me peace. And I tell you, friends, I experienced a peace literally this morning. Someone told me, you know, I don't know how when you, how you went through what you went through. If I didn't know it, I wouldn't have known it. It's not because I'm strong enough to do that on my own. It's because there was a peace in seeing an invisible God that resided in me. Amen? Amen? And so when I began to truly focus on the fact that God create, who created this universe that created me surely knows what's best for me. Yeah. He's allowing me to walk through this place. That's even when in times of our greatest darkness, 
He can give us a peace that will sustain us. It will cause our soul to rest. Amen? Praise the Lord. Amen? Now let me show you what I begin to see. I hope you don't think this is weird, but the radiation treatment, what it requires is you to lay on this table, flat on your back, and this large piece of machinery goes around you, and there's this little mirror that passes around you ever so once in a while. Man, I would look at that mirror and I would say, I see the invisible God in you, amen? I see that invisible God in you. The one who died on the cross, Jesus Christ, who was paid the price for my healing, amen? I see that invisible God in you, amen? It was a reminder to me that I did not have to fear, but I could persevere in faith, and God was with me. Now, this is just a little side note. I believe it's a God wink. The nurse would play music as I was laying there on that table. And I remember specifically this song coming, up, coming on, and it was Waymaker. You don't want me to sing Waymaker, Spirit, John, John, John. Okay, it's that one. Okay, I remember hearing that. These treatments only lasted maybe four minutes tops. Got up off the table, I left, I went down, went and got in the car, cranked the engine. Now, this would not still have been the same song playing. But what came on the radio was Waymaker. And God was saying, let me tell you, son, I am making a way, amen, where there seems to be no way. Hallelujah. I felt that God was reassuring me that he was making a way for me. I was seeing an invisible God in the middle of my darkness. So, you know, later on, somewhere I ended up on I-10. And one of my greatest frustrations, Brother Brandon, is traffic. I just hate it because it delays you. You have to sit there and you have to, you know, go. I just hate, 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 hate traffic with a passion. Well, one day I was headed home. I needed to be home by a, a certain time. The traffic was backed up from here to yonder. And so I decided, you know what, I'm just going to get off. I didn't have time to put in ways or the apps and all that. So I just I'm hopping off hopped off and I just started I'm like where am I and I didn't have time to stop and put in the GPS and all that so I'm just driving hmm, this looks good hmm. you know this looks good I'm just driving all around I had no clue where I was going it, there were no detour signs I was just going wherever I wanted to all over the face of the earth well did you know it was within just seconds that I ended back up on the service road of I-10. Amen? Ended back up on the service road of I-10. And immediately, the Lord just reminded me. He was giving me so many God weeks. He was saying, I'm directing your path. Amen? You don't have to go with this alone because I'm directing your path. When that could have been a big source of unrest for my soul, I chose to see the invisible God was directing my path. Over and over, I was reminded of those God winks within me. If we could all just get this concept, it will change the way we think. It will change your life by giving you rest to your soul. 
I want to ask you some questions here today. What would it look like if you chose to see the invisible God in your wayward son or daughter? But you don't know what they're involved in. Let grace lead and truth will follow. What would it look like if you saw the invisible God in the coworker who lied on you? What would it look like if you chose to see the invisible God in the strained relationship with your difficult spouse? What if you've struggled with body image your entire life? Perhaps a word was spoken over you as a young child and that's never left you. And you've seen the image of your body as something that uh, of, of less than. What would it begin to be this morning if you saw Jesus? If you saw the very Jesus, the image of Jesus in yourself, I will tell you what it will do. You will develop a confidence in your soul. What about if you were to see the invisible God in your recent diagnosis? Romans 8, 9 through 11 puts it this way. But if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. But for you who welcome him in whom he dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did Jesus. You were delivered from the dead life. With the spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ. I want to leave you with two ways that you can see this invisible God that I'm talking about. And I'm going to run through these quickly. The first thing that you've got to do is develop perspective. What's perspective? Perspective is defined as a particular attitude towards something, a point of view. Your point of view or your perspective is based on your past experiences. For example, you might say, well, if my dad died of prostate cancer, I'm going to die of prostate cancer. You've got to change your perspective. Your past experience will draw out your fear when you need faith in that hour. For many years, I investigated uh, auto accidents for State Farm. And I cannot tell you the number of times at a four-way intersection stop where you had two independent, unbiased witnesses who were on opposite street corners gave separate accounts of who was at fault because they saw the accident from a different perspective. And folks, you have a choice this morning in your current situation. You can do it from a perspective of fear or you can do it from a perspective of faith. Fear does not always mean the absence of faith, but faith is seeing the invisible God in the middle of your fear. The Lord put this on my heart just a few days ago. Fear is trusting in what is seen. Faith is trusting what is not seen. You, you need to get that in your spirit this morning. Fear is trusting in what is seen. Faith is trusting what is not seen. Faith, Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things that we cannot see. 
But it's much easier to trust what we can see. Why? Because that's your current reality. Faith over fear is what we choose to walk in and what we must be disciplined in. A question we need to ask ourselves this morning. What am I trying to bear that Jesus bore? What are we trying to bear that Jesus has already bore? And when we answer that question, it reveals the area in our life in which we must see the invisible God. It will change your perspective. Amen? Having fear over faith. Let me just throw out five things real quickly. Faith over fear means you've got to spend time in prayer, meditation, the Word of God. Secondly, you've got to surrender control. Thirdly, you've got to seek wise counsel. Walking by faith does not mean that you have to take this journey alone. And I will tell you, a week after my diagnosis, I walked into the dream team, meet, uh, dream team meeting one morning, and the wife of someone here says, my husband was just diagnosed with prostate cancer. And friends, you know, if that had to happen, and I'm so thankful for you, and you're here this morning, I'm so thankful for you because we were able to do this together. Shortly after that, another man that I came to, to know going through the same thing. Just last week, another man came into contact going through the same thing. This is something you don't have to go at alone. Not only are there others to support you, but Jesus will himself. Step out in obedience, and you've got to embrace that long-term perspective. There were days that I walked through, and I'm, I'm just being very honest with you, that I didn't think I could put another foot in front of the other. I was so exhausted. I didn't know that I could do it. But through faith, I was able to persevere. I'll be honest again, there have been days where I have been so, because of medication, there have been days that I have been so extremely sad for no particular reason. I can look at a picture at a little fluffy kitten and go, <laughs> it's just the way it is, right? I woke up this morning with a major hot flash. Praise the Lord. I now know what my wife goes through and all you ladies. But embrace that long-term perspective. Amen. Colossians 3, 1 through 2 says, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. And then develop perspective, and we're short on time, but develop perspective. The other thing you've got to do is maintain focus. Focus is the state or quality of producing clear visual definition. It's the gateway to all thinking, perception, memory, learning, reasoning, problem solving, and decision making. Our focus leads us in the direction that will either taint our views or bring clarity as truth moves in our life. Dr. Bruce Lipton, PhD, Vanderbilt University, we must flex our choice muscle. When you focus your brain, it makes a picture of the object. By carefully selecting the pictures that your brain makes, you can increase your control over how you focus. 
plus what you feel, think, and experience when you do. Distractions, my friend, are at an all-time high through technology, environment, multitasking, balancing activities of daily living. However, the personal choice we make remains the same. Here's how you maintain focus. You've got to pay attention to what you're paying attention to. You've got to create boundaries and restraints. And then lastly, you've got to set your mind on things above. Amen. If I set my mind on that journey that I had to take every single morning and every single afternoon for six weeks, Monday through Friday, I would have given up a long time ago. But we've got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I want to read one scripture, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. Because of the extravagance of those revelations, and so I wouldn't get a big head, I was given the gift of the handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angels did his best to get me down. What he did, in fact, was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift. I begged God to remove it. Three times I did that, and then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now, I take limitations in stride. And with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. A Soviet astronaut early in the space program was quoted as saying, I looked out the window of my spaceship and I couldn't find God. To which the American astronaut replied, that's strange. I saw him in my garden this morning. He's going to be there if you focus on him. I'm going to show you a picture. This was March 8th. On March 8th, there, same outfit, by the way, March 8th, I was not the same man that I was on September the 8th. God allowed me in my darkest time to see this image of an invisible God. I want you to know I'm doing well now. I monitor, my next test will be in six months, in which I'll monitor, which will give me a good understanding on if all of that worked. But I want to say here this morning that the Lord has given me such a gift. And it's a gift which literally now I must walk by faith every single day. Every single day. And what a gift. And I don't have to walk my reality. 
But some of you are experiencing very dark trials right now. And I just want you to know that I can look out there and I can see this invisible God in you this morning. You were created in the very image of God. And I can see him in you. Some of you are weary. I mean, you're, you're, you've wondered if your faith will make it through. Maybe you're here this morning, you're struggling in relationships. Maybe your image of yourself right now is at an all-time low. I want to pray this morning that you see the invisible God in yourself today. That you'll develop perspective and focus, and in doing so, that you'll find rest for your soul. I felt this a couple of weeks ago, and I want to also pray for those who are experiencing right now a diagnosis of cancer. It's rampant, and any other diagnosis for that matter. I want to look directly into the camera this morning, and I want to call out a couple of people. Gwen Cooper, we're praying for you, my friend. Kristen. friend if you're watching we're holding you close this morning and I want to ask if you feel that this message has resonated with you if you feel that you need to see this invisible image of God in your situation or perhaps even in other people I'm going to ask you just to stand at this time Lord, you see each and every person who is standing here in need of you today. God, they need to see you in their situation. God, whether it's a diagnosis of cancer or other diseases, or Lord, if it's just one of the darkest times in their life, Lord, I pray, God, that today, right now, here in this service, God, that you would show them this image of an invisible God. Lord, that you would make your face, Lord, to shine upon them. Lord, that you would be gracious unto them. Lord, that you would give them peace right now. And Lord, whether you choose by product to miraculously, Lord, do your work, or God, whether you choose to bring them through a process here today, God, with an overwhelming knowing in their spirit, God, they would know, they would see, they would have new perspective and greater focus on the invisible God, Jesus Christ, that we serve. And it's in the name of Jesus we ask these things. 1 Timothy 1.17 says, Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you here today.
I want you to go forth in peace knowing that there's someone inside of you that you necessarily may not see, but is soon to show you who he is. Amen. God bless you and your families here today. In Jesus' name.